Welcome back. This is part two of what is now a three-part series, I hope. If you haven't watched it yet, part two I'll link in the description. It's called Amber Heard is an Unambiguous Victim, and in that part I went through all of the major allegations and all of the evidence supporting the fact that Amber Heard is a victim to Johnny Depp, who is a wife-beater. Not an abuser herself, not a contributor to mutual abuse, just a regular old victim, which is what all of the facts of the case indicate. And if you're not already on board with that idea, I recommend you go watch the first part because without it, I just don't think you're gonna get much out of this. But despite really all of the evidence being in Amber Heard's favor, this last year has been pretty kind to Johnny Depp's side of events. He not only won a jury over in his defamation suit against Amber last year for the Depp v. Heard trial in Fairfax County, he also pretty much won in the court of public opinion, and I want to discuss how he managed to do that. In part three, we'll talk about the actual trial and the media spectacle that surrounded it. But for this part, we're just gonna discuss the lead up to the trial. In the last video, I was mostly working off a timeline of events from when Johnny and Amber first met each other to when they eventually split up. And much of this video is also gonna be based on a kind of looser timeline from when Amber first filed for divorce to when the lead up to the trial really started to happen in like 2020, 2021. But first we have to go all the way back in the timeline because the first thing we have to tackle here is Johnny Depp's celebrity and the fan base that it's cultivated. So Johnny Depp came into this business as like a teen heartthrob. He was covering magazines like Teen Beat with his floppy hair and his very, very good bone structure. Who thinks Johnny Depp is cute? Maybe! I've had girls come up to me and, and you know, they walk up to you and, and they're looking at you like this. And you're just sort of standing there and they look at you and they go, well, you're, you're you. Yeah. I'm me. Meet America's newest teen idol. His name is Johnny Depp. He's 24, and he's adored by adolescent girls everywhere. One of his first major roles was on the hit TV show 21 Jump Street, the success of which he reportedly grew to resent, along with his heartthrob status. It just, it just got, it just got, it started to become false. It started to become like this action-packed, you know, it's like a can of soup, you know, you just market it and send it out there. I'm not uh, in any way trying to say that that it's a bad show, but I'm just saying that it's not what it started out to be. Now it's a product, you know what I mean? I had become this product. Yeah, <clears throat> product, yeah. Yeah, and it made me very uncomfortable. Made so, you uncomfortable. Yeah, because I, I didn't, I mean, Being I Being sort of labeled a heartthrob. Well, they just, they just started to build this image and it had nothing to do with me. You know? Really? So as production on 21 Jump Street started to wind down, Johnny started taking on more projects that showed a bit more of his range and his willingness to take creative risks. He does a lot of, like, quirky character work. Starting in 1990, he starred in both John Waters' Crybaby as well as Tim Burton's Edward Scissorhands. Tim Burton would go on to become a frequent collaborator with Johnny throughout their careers. Now, I hate to say this, but you've been working together for almost 10 years 
decades. Ten decades. <laughs> and that's important for establishing Johnny Depp's place in pop culture. Not only is there a lot of overlap in the fandoms of Johnny Depp and Tim Burton because they work together so frequently, their fandoms also function pretty similarly. Both Johnny Depp and Tim Burton are mainstream successes in the entertainment industry, they are incredibly famous, incredibly rich, and their movies tend to do incredibly well. But because they often create work that feels really distinct or almost unusual, mostly due to the base aesthetics of the material, especially in Tim Burton's frequent use of more gothic-style visuals, they've earned the passionate support of a cult following. Fans relate to them almost like underdogs, despite the fact that they're two of the most famous and successful people in the film industry. That makes their fandoms both large and incredibly dedicated. Can you all see your hand? <laughs> Lots of actors have fans. Johnny Depp has stands, especially on the internet. There are countless fan accounts dedicated to him on every social media platform. There are loads of Johnny Depp fan club and community websites. As far as like professional success and wealth and fame, Johnny is in a similar class of celebrities as like Matt Damon. They reportedly have roughly around the same net worth. But at the end of the day, who gives a shit about Matt Damon? There's no way that if allegations came out against Matt Damon that there would be anywhere near the kind of response toward him that Johnny Depp got from his supporters. Johnny's fans just feel a much more personal connection with him, and he does interact with them on a personal level fairly often. Especially when he does stuff like go to children's hospitals dressed as Jack Sparrow. I try to, to meet as many people as I can. I try to sign as many things as I can. I don't want to hurt anybody anybody's feelings or, or uh, make them feel like uh, I don't have time. Because as much as Johnny talks about how he hates Hollywood and he hates the whole celebrity scene, he isn't just talented as an actor, he is talented as a celebrity. And he uses that talent to his advantage quite a lot. Johnny has been involved in an amount of scandals that other people at his level of publicity probably couldn't survive and have their career as intact as he still does. Even aside from the Amber Heard allegations, his persona is built to withstand all kinds of controversies and still retain an insane amount of support. Whether intentional or not, he has carefully crafted his image to be that of like a dark, troubled bad boy but one that's misunderstood and privately really gentle and sensitive. Throughout the 80s and 90s, he was periodically arrested for violent disruptive behavior. He gave many quotes confessing to poor anger management skills, saying he lives for the look of pure, unadulterated fear in a person's eyes and believes that sometimes violence is the only answer. He's also made jokes about giving his celebrity girlfriend a severe beating. But when you see Johnny in interviews, he comes across as really sweet and soft-spoken and introspective, making all the seedier stuff he's involved in a little bit more palatable. So I asked the other actors what, why they think you're so popular with both kids and grown-ups. And they said because you're cool and mysterious and magical and a little off, Morgan Freeman said. Oh, a little off. <laughs> I love that Morgan says a little off. 
What off. is it? I agree with him. A little, it would, it would be a little bit off saying that. What about the mysterious and the magical? I don't see any of that for sure. I mean, like, you know. I'd probably also say, um, yeah, if anybody gives you any shit, just beat the <laughs> in this video and in the next one, I want to address some of the many, many myths that have surrounded the Depp v. Heard case. The first that I'll explicitly point out here is the idea that Johnny Depp doesn't have a history of violent or abusive behavior. There is no evidence to suggest Johnny Depp has abused Amber Heard or anyone in his past. That is not even slightly true. Even if we isolate that claim to how Johnny acts in intimate relationships, Ellen Barkin testified in court that Johnny Depp was emotionally abusive to her and was engaged in violent behavior around her. Mr. Depp threw a wine bottle across the room, the hotel room on one instance in Las Vegas while we were shooting Fear and Loathing. In Las Vegas. Were you, was something about to happen? A fight was going on. Between you and Mr. Depp? No. Who was the fight between? Between Johnny Depp and his friends in the room, the assistant. Honestly, I don't remember. Was it your understanding back then that he was throwing the bottle at you? I don't know why he threw the bottle. And was it, when he threw it, was it in your direction? Yes. Were there other people standing around you? Yes. So he threw it in your direction at a, at a group of people? Yes. And you just referenced, uh, you just used the word jealous. How, how did that come up? What did he say that indicated to you that he was jealous? He's just a jealous man controlling. Where are you going? Who are you going with? What, what did you do last night? I had a scratch on my back once that got him very, very angry because he insisted it came from me having sex with a person who wasn't him. Jennifer Gray never used the word abuse, but she spoke about hers and Johnny's relationship in her book, where Johnny seemed to exhibit many of the same behaviors that Amber would later allege about her own marriage. Far before anything Amber said, other people were reporting that Johnny was pretty abusive to Kate Moss, the woman he publicly joked about severely beating. Quite a lot of stuff about his relationship with Winona Ryder is also incredibly suspect, like the fact that they started dating when Winona was only 17 and Johnny was 24. Not only that, when they started dating, Winona had never had a boyfriend before, nor had she ever kissed anyone, whereas Johnny had already been married and divorced by the time they met. Here's another somewhat myth. People think Winona Ryder voluntarily gave a statement in Johnny's defense in the trial in the UK against The Sun. And while it's true that Winona did initially give a statement, she later hired Matthew Rosengart to block her testimony from actually being used in court. And while Winona has never alleged abuse, she did once make a casual comment about how her first boyfriend, aka Johnny, used to smash everything around her. Which again, corroborates some of Amber's allegations about Johnny's destructive behavior. Even if you just look into the timeline of Johnny Depp's past relationships, there does seem to be a pattern of possible love bombing. He often gets engaged to his girlfriends within months or even weeks of dating them. Like with Jennifer Grey, who got engaged to Johnny after two weeks. 
Johnny Depp has always shown signs of being an abuser, but he was showing those signs within relationships with other very attractive celebrities like Jennifer Grey, Kate Moss, or Winona Ryder who he had already played romantic leads with in a film, making it way easier to romanticize their real-life love affair and paint over any red flags as just indicators of Johnny being a really passionate, loving person. Like one of the times that Johnny got arrested was reportedly after he got into a very large, loud argument with Kate Moss and then he trashed a hotel room with Kate in it. And then after that incident, People Magazine ran a cover story with the headline, Johnny Depp, love is a battlefield for Hollywood's talented, troubled young star. Then under a photo of him and Kate, it said, Depp and supermodel Kate Moss, true love, and a trashed hotel room. You threw oh, a did. lemon through a window. I did, I Smashed did. the window. I did, I, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Let me tell you, Johnny, everything's he's shy, okay? If people knew what he was really like, his career would be over. <laughs> Johnny Depp is a movie star with one of the most intense fandoms that any actor has really ever had in the entire history of Hollywood. Amber Heard, on the other hand, is an actor, not a movie star, an actor. One that has never courted the same kind of intense fandom because Amber doesn't really interact with the world of celebrity the same way that Johnny does. Aside from her relationship with Johnny Depp, she's lived her life relatively privately compared to other stars, and she's had nowhere near the same kind of box office success that Johnny has had. But because Depp v. Heard involved two famous people, the war between Amber Heard supporters and Johnny Depp supporters sometimes gets portrayed as if it's a war of two standums, like Britney versus Christina. But if Amber Heard currently has stands, a majority of those stands only really looked into her because they related to her as a victim of domestic violence or misogyny, and they felt bad about the way that she was being treated in the media and on the internet. I've spent a lot of my time in the last year defending Amber Heard. I'm defending her because of the facts of this case, not because I have any loyalty to her as a public figure. I think I've seen like three of her movies, and I watched them a long time ago and didn't even realize Amber was in them until I looked at her IMDb page. If you're in the camp that thinks that Amber Heard only alleged abuse so that she could garner sympathy or gain some good press as a celebrity, maybe you think that what I just said proves your point, but it doesn't. Because it wasn't just the initial allegations that made a majority of her current fans feel the need to start defending her. It was the vilification she received for years following those allegations, which Amber Heard couldn't possibly have predicted because she was the victim of a smear campaign that is kind of one of the worst to ever exist in the history of Hollywood. So let's talk about the vilification of Amber Heard. It's become very clear that Amber Heard is hated by almost everyone on the internet. Some of the most popular hashtags online read, justice for Johnny Depp, Amber Heard is a liar, and I believe Johnny Depp. I'm Mackenzie, and let's break down the top 10 reasons why everyone hates Amber Heard. Another very misinformed talking point surrounding this trial is that once Amber Heard made her allegations in 2016, everyone just immediately sided with her and shunned Johnny from Hollywood. There are a ton of accusations being thrown around, and as we all know, in the Me Too era, as soon as a man is accused of anything, he is guilty. Fucking guilty. First off, 
Johnny's career was doing just fucking fine in the years following the allegations. After Amber filed for her restraining order, Johnny was in two films for the Fantastic Beasts franchise. He did another Pirates of the Caribbean film. He was in City of Lies, Murder on the Orient Express, and Sherlock Gnomes. Now sure, some of those movies were filmed before the allegations became public, but some of them definitely were not. Like Murder on the Orient Express, or the second Fantastic Beasts movie. He also kept his 2015 deal with Dior to be the face of Savage Cologne. What I do for love. Do anything. Everything. What would you do? What would you do for love? A deal that was re-upped this year, making it the biggest in men's fragrances ever. And much of social media was definitely not on Amber Heard's side in 2016. Brigham Young University did an analysis of social media comments on news stories about Amber alleging abuse in the months following her filing a restraining order and found that more people were shitting on Amber than on Johnny. Really though, the hate campaign against Amber started before her relationship with Johnny was even officially confirmed. In 2012, tabloids were already running stories saying Vanessa Paradis, Johnny's previous partner and mother of his two kids, was labeling Amber a man-stealing nobody. Fans and publications called her a homewrecker frequently, and many implied she was only after him for his money. Especially because a lot of people were suspicious of Amber for primarily having relationships with women prior. Once Amber and Johnny's relationship was official, interviewers were asking Amber if she was still bisexual now that she's with a man. OK Magazine said she was more notorious for her bisexuality than acting. In 2014, when it was announced that Amber and Johnny were engaged, the National Enquirer ran a story saying that Angelina Jolie was warning Johnny not to marry Amber and advising him to get a prenup. Other people close to Angelina said that that report was inaccurate, calling the claims totally ridiculous. But then when International Business Times posted a poll to its readers asking, is Amber Heard marrying Johnny Depp for the right reasons, 73% said no. I think Depp is going through a midlife crisis and that this union is doomed to fail, said one fan, later adding, nothing good can come from this. The only talent Amber Heard has is for fucking Johnny Depp, said another colorful poll participant. The article also writes, Depp fans have also taken to a separate IB Times article on the couple's relationship to slam Heard. Gold digging slag, commented one Depp fan. Amber Heard is the epitome of a gold digging opportunist, and Johnny Depp, what a huge disappointment, said another who also accused Heard of accepting Depp's proposal for her own financial gain, saying, she decides on her sexual preference according to bank account size. All the way back in 2013, Amber Heard's therapy notes were discussing the bad press coverage that she was getting, with her therapist writing, People are saying vicious things about her. Hurt her feelings because they don't know her. Discuss putting up boundaries and going on offense. Says never very good at ignoring people or defending herself. Jay says ignore it, but she wants people to know the truth. Studios protect Jay, but not her. Word of Jay's drunkenness and drugs hardly ever make tabloids. No one knows how many times he has thrown things at her and other people or shown up late to call times because of drugs and alcohol. 
And there was definitely a disparity in how the relationship was being covered by the media at the time, because while Amber was being called a gold digger and a homewrecker, Johnny was getting feel-good stories written about how he was buying Amber a horse. Mainstream media's coverage on the relationship, though, was nothing in comparison to hardcore Johnny Depp stan communities. Might I bring your attention to a WordPress blog called Jamber News. Jamber is a blog site specifically dedicated to covering news about Amber and Johnny's relationship. They were posting articles up until 2016, but they started tracking the relationship back in 2012, with their first post being a photo of Amber wearing Johnny Depp's t-shirt and flannel. As a quick aside, they also posted something in July of 2013 about Amber's trip to Russia, where they posted a photo of Amber and then wrote under the photo, Oh, and can someone please tell me why there are several photos of Amber with bruises on her? Is the girl falling off a horse a lot or what? Now you might think a site that's called Jamber News would be the blog of someone that like shipped Amber and Johnny and was approving of their relationship? No, not even slightly. They talk horribly of Amber. For instance, in May of 2013, they posted this photo of Amber looking completely fucking normal, with their commentary saying, Is this no underwear or a thong? Maybe it's due to the high waist of the dress, but no pun intended, it's not flattering to the backside at all. Or maybe all the photoshopped and airbrushed photos are just that, airbrushed or taken from a more flattering angle. At any rate, this shape of ass is about a 2 on a 1 to 10 scale, 2 for 2 cheeks that have a funny shape. All I'm saying is, if you're going to date Johnny Depp, make sure you can live up to the expectations. Around the same time, they start claiming that Amber had been obsessed with Johnny since she was a teenager and start pushing this idea that Amber had devised some secret plot to seduce him. They write, Everything she's done, if you research, leads in some way back to Johnny Depp. The people she's worked to be around, date, and her film choices have in some way a connection to Johnny Depp. Then taking into account that she's had years to read on Johnny and find out things that he is into, things he likes, and things that they could have in common, next thing we see is Amber is into the same things. Anyone that has been a longtime Johnny fan knows Johnny likes things that aren't considered run-of-the-mill. His taste in literature, artwork, darker things. We know nothing of Amber Heard's personality, likes, dislikes as a teen. We have nothing to tell us what kind of person she was. She's not famous enough for anyone to want to write a biography on her. For now, we only have what has been published and confirmed by her to gauge anything by. So far, it appears she wants to be famous. She wanted to get in touch or be around Johnny Depp, and she may or may not have used being bisexual as a means to bolster her career, too. I only say this because at the time she was with someone else during her relationship with a woman. The people she was with were men. Yep, that's what being bisexual is. She's into women and men. Maybe even non-binary people, too. Anyway, what would a person do to become famous? If all of this has any weight, why wouldn't Johnny see through it? Wouldn't he know she was putting on a farce? Well, what part of it is a farce? She dated Crispin. She dated a woman that wore hats and had tattoos. She has a tattoo that has a reference to dark things. She has a Mustang. She had a photo shoot that resembled Vanessa's photo shoot. Blah, 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 blah. 
And so then the same day as that rant, they published a different post looking at all of the different connections between the projects Amber has taken on and things kind of related to Johnny. For instance, Amber Heard was in Zombieland. Bill Murray was also in Zombieland. Bill Murray once played Hunter S. Thompson in Where the Buffalo Roam, which is not a film that Johnny had anything to do with, but he was friends with Hunter S. Thompson, so obviously, Amber being in Zombieland, where she didn't even have a scene with Bill Murray and probably wasn't on the set with him at the same time. In fact, it's pretty likely that she was cast before Bill Murray was because that role was originally meant for Patrick Swayze. But whatever, it was all a part of Amber's calculated plan to get to Johnny Depp. Day fucking one. Amber was being treated with an absurd level of suspicion from crazed Johnny Depp stands. And okay, sure, you can find weirdos in any big celebrity's fandoms. But some of the weirdest theories of Johnny Depp stands in 2013 sound very, very similar to other theories that went pretty mainstream just last year. Some people online are now accusing Amber of trolling Johnny's courtroom style. So let me give you an example and you tell me what you think. For example, he wore his hair in a ponytail. Amber copied that look the next day. Johnny wore a gray suit on April 11th. On April 12th, Amber came into court with a similar outfit. <laughs> so how did the wild rhetoric of Johnny Depp stands take over the entire world? Well, for one thing, we need to acknowledge the seemingly very structured apparatus that has been protecting Johnny Depp for years. I don't know when exactly it started to develop, but I would guess pretty early in his career, considering in 1994 when he was being arrested for violent, destructive behavior. He reportedly said of one of the arresting officers, I don't think she likes me, but if she saw me at a mall, I bet she would ask for an autograph. And to me, that just doesn't sound like the statement of someone who's used to being held responsible for his own actions. In 2020, The Hollywood Reporter published a piece called He's Radioactive, Inside Johnny Depp's Self-Made Implosion. At one point, the article states, The claims made in at least six recent suits, along with multiple interviews conducted by The Hollywood Reporter, paint a picture of an out-of-control Depp, a casualty of Hollywood's sycophant culture in which his wild spending and substance abuse were rarely challenged. Or as one producer who worked on a recent Depp project notes, he's just never been told no for the past 35 years. That's typical in Hollywood, but I've never seen it to this extent. The publication also claimed that Johnny paid his first wife $1.25 million to keep quiet after he left her a long ranting message in which he repeatedly used the N-word. Johnny Depp allegedly paying people to keep quiet about things that he has allegedly done is a repeating theme in this saga. Amidst contentious legal battles with his former business managers, the management company, aka TMG, his former managers claim that Johnny regularly paid his employees hush money to keep quiet about some of his violent behaviors. They also claim that he once convinced his assistant, Steven Duders, to claim that Amber doctored text messages from from a plane ride from LA to Boston in which Steven stated on record that Johnny had kicked Amber on the plane. Amber's therapy notes from around that time 
frequently mention how Johnny's family and friends were apparently enabling his bad habits, to the point that Amber said even his psychiatrist is a yes man. And that was before Dr. Kipper even got involved in Johnny's life, and Dr. Kipper definitely seems to be a yes man. When two of Johnny's former bodyguards filed a lawsuit against him in 2018 claiming unsafe and unacceptable working conditions, they stated that part of their job as his bodyguards was often to protect Johnny from the consequences of his own actions. Like telling Johnny when he had residue from illegal substances on his face and preventing onlookers from noticing how highly intoxicated he was. Johnny's lawsuit with TMG revealed the amounts that he was allegedly just handing out to his family and his friends and members of his staff. His sister allegedly treated his bank account like it was her own. And when you compare that allegation to complaints that Amber made in her therapy sessions about Johnny's sister enabling him and even helping him get access to substances, it kinda makes sense why Johnny's own sister wouldn't want to challenge his using too much. What if Christy stopped saying yes to Johnny and he stopped allowing her to think of his money as her money? Rolling Stone did a profile on Johnny in 2018 where they write about Johnny's legal battles with TMG, stating, The lawsuit describes the actor as a spoiled brat with no impulse control. Michael Kump noted TMG had never been sued by any of its other clients and that Depp lived an ultra-extravagant lifestyle that knowingly cost Depp in excess of $2 million a month to maintain, which he simply could not afford. The suit claims Depp did give millions to Christie and other friends and family, but that the star knew all about it and still employed those who benefited from his money. Michael Kump, attorney for TMG, pressed on, arguing, Depp has also spent millions to employ an army of attorneys, in addition to his longtime personal attorney Bloom, to bail him out of numerous legal crises and pay hush money. At one point in the article, the author writes, There is no one around him who isn't getting paid. Now, I already addressed the myth that Amber Heard was tipping TMZ off in the last video, but let's take a closer look at how TMZ, an outlet with known close associations with Johnny's divorce attorney, covered Amber and Johnny's divorce, along with Amber's abuse allegations from 2016. Two days after Amber filed for divorce, TMZ ran with the exclusive story in which they highlight the death of Johnny's mother in an effort to make it seem like Amber was being a huge bitch by divorcing him when his mom had just died, and they even inserted a little promo for Johnny's upcoming film. On May 26th, they run another exclusive saying that Johnny's family hated Amber. Then the next day, when Amber filed a restraining order, TMZ picks up on the story right away. Writing in their article, Sources connected to Johnny are calling BS, saying Amber is an affront to real victims of domestic violence. Further down, it's interesting, she's asking for a temporary restraining order claiming there's an immediate threat of harm, but Depp has been out of town since Wednesday promoting his new movie. Depp's lawyer, Laura Wasser, appeared on his behalf. TMZ broke the story, three days after Depp's mom died, Amber filed for divorce, and one week after his mom died, she's claiming domestic violence. As for why Depp and his people are calling BS, 
First, she never filed a police report, and she posted Instagram pics after the alleged beating and never showed any injury. Laura Wasser's memorandum from her counter-filing stated, Amber is attempting to secure a premature financial resolution by alleging abuse. Her current application for a temporary restraining order along with her financial requests appear to be in response to negative media attention she received earlier this week after filing for divorce. Amber filed her petition three days after the death of Johnny's mother. There has been significant commentary in the media as to this timing, given that Johnny was very close to his mother. Yet Johnny cannot protect himself or Amber from media scrutiny, and Amber's anger certainly cannot drive this dissolution proceeding. Then TMZ ran a standalone exclusive article titled, Amber Heard, Cops Say No Evidence of Injuries. On May 29th, TMZ published the exclusive for a handwritten letter from Vanessa Paradis defending Johnny. Then June 7th, TMZ ran the exclusive, Amber Heard arrested for domestic violence against girlfriend, where they write, Amber Heard, who claims to be the victim of domestic violence by husband Johnny Depp, was herself arrested for domestic violence against her then-domestic partner, TMZ has learned. According to law enforcement sources and documents, Amber and Tasia Von Ray got in an argument on September 14, 2009 at Seattle-Tacoma International Airport. Amber allegedly grabbed and struck Tasia in the arm, which upset Tasia and triggered the arrest. Amber was arrested and booked for misdemeanor domestic violence. Her mugshot was taken and she appeared in court the following day. TMZ has obtained audio of the court hearing, where the prosecutor declined to move forward with the case. We're told because the women both lived in California. The judge told Amber she was not off the hook. Prosecutors could reconsider and refile within the two-year statute of limitations. Yeah, well, they didn't refile, did they? Considering that arrest happened in 2009, and this article was written in 2016. So here's the thing about Amber's 2009 arrest. She was arrested after some kind of dispute with her then-partner Tasia in a Seattle-Tacoma airport. She was arrested. She was not charged. More importantly, though, Tasia has denied the allegations of Amber's abuse. She gave a statement saying, in 2009, Amber was wrongfully accused for an incident that was misinterpreted and over-sensationalized by two individuals in a power position. I recount hints of misogynistic attitudes towards us, which later appeared to be homophobic when they found out we were domestic partners and not just friends. It's disheartening that Amber's integrity and story are being questioned yet again. Amber is a brilliant, honest, and beautiful woman, and I have the utmost respect for her. We shared five wonderful years together and remain close to this day. Johnny's team then had an employee from that airport testify in the Fairfax trial in 2022. And because that employee is a lesbian, people have tried to use that to contradict Tasia's claim of Amber being a victim to homophobia and misogyny. The cop she accused of being homophobic was a lesbian? What the fuck? Okay, dude, what is- dude, every time you guys give me new information, it just like, uh, what's true and what's not true changes. He's been copying his clothes every day, check this out. And yeah, that just disproves everything. After all, how could a gay woman exhibit internalized bigotry? We all know that black police officers have never exhibited any sort of internalized anti-blackness. But even if we set aside the idea that that woman isn't capable of internalized homophobia, Amber and Tasia can be wrong about the motives of the officers that arrested Amber, and that doesn't negate Tasia's claim that she wasn't a victim to Amber's alleged abuse. 
This is all a kind of pointless conversation anyway, though, because the airport employee that testified as Johnny's witness isn't the police officer that arrested Amber. And I'm not one to police someone's sexual orientation, but I highly doubt that that officer identifies as a lesbian, considering he's a man. It was so ridiculous, those charges. It, were, it was a verbal argument. It was misinterpreted, misrepresented, and completely um, over overreacted upon by two individuals in a power position. And as soon as they found out, as soon as they found out that we were um, partners, which we were not going to be arrested for before, as soon as he found out we were partners, the male cop, not this other woman who's later been brought into the press, uh, this male cop uh, put me in handcuffs. And uh, and that's, it, 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 there was no, no physical violence, no physical abuse, and zero, zero domestic violence whatsoever between us. It was a trumped up charge and it was dropped immediately for being such. What we should really be focusing on here though is the fact that Amber had her arrest record deleted in 2011. And while TMZ has connections to police departments and courthouses within the 30 mile zone that they're named after, they're not really known to just go snooping through years old records in Washington state. So the fact that TMZ found this report about Amber being arrested in 2009 in the first place naturally leads to the conclusion that someone with intimate knowledge about Amber's life told them that. And who would want to do that but someone with a vested interest in making Amber look like an abuser? TMZ's reporting on Amber and Johnny's split got so wild that other outlets started commenting on it. ET Canada was accusing TMZ of launching a witch hunt against Amber in 2016. But the constant articles trying to discredit Amber's claims have many speculating that Johnny's team is tipping off TMZ. The website is known for having moles who go through LA court documents, and the fact that Amber's 2009 domestic violence case was filed in Seattle means it would have taken some serious digging. TMZ also caters to a more male audience and many believe the site is the perfect place for Johnny to defend his case. And The Cut published an article in July of last year called, Is Amber Heard Really Dating Elon Musk? Or is TMZ doing Johnny Depp's dirty work again? They write, Heard and Musk are probably hanging out, but nothing definitive has happened. Well-sourced tabloids like People and Us Weekly haven't reported anything on this story at all. So why would TMZ and Page Six? Well, it's inherently interesting, but it also paints both Depp and Heard in a specific light as they head into what will be protracted, dramatic divorce proceedings. TMZ and Page Six are both generally team guy when it comes to celebrity breakups, and TMZ specifically has been Depp's PR voice throughout this whole ordeal. To determine what's really going on with the Heard slash Musk story, consider which outlet reported it first. When Heard filed for divorce in May, TMZ sided with Depp immediately, reporting that his family thought Heard was a gold digger all along. Then Heard fired back, accusing Depp of spousal abuse in court. This obviously complicated Depp's gold digger narrative, but TMZ stayed faithful to him at every turn, painting Heard as a liar whose stories don't add up. 
And now we have this report about Hurd and Musk, who is, as TMZ puts it, a guy who makes Johnny Depp look like a pauper. TMZ simply wants you to know that in the wake of a brutal divorce and alleged abuse, Amber Heard has already moved on to a bigger, better rich guy. I bet that Johnny Depp wants you to know that too. The notion that it was Amber Heard's side that was feeding TMZ information is just one of the most absurd things to come out of this entire story. But it's not like it was just TMZ that was out to defend Johnny at every turn. His friends in the industry also rallied around him. First, there was Doug Stanhope, who wrote a guest column for The Wrap on May 29, 2016, saying Amber had blackmailed Johnny. Amber later filed a lawsuit against Stan Hope, saying the article was part of a highly coordinated effort to defame her, but she later dropped her lawsuit when her and Johnny finalized their divorce and signed an NDA. Still, the day after Stan Hope's article came out, director Terry Gilliam, another friend of Johnny's, tweeted a link to Stan Hope's article in support of Johnny. June 8th, the actor Benicio Del Toro, another friend of Johnny's, talked about the issue publicly and said, What I know, there's a lot of trouble from the girl that sounds a little manipulative. It sounds a little bit like there's something really twisted about that girl, but I don't know the specifics. So right after the divorce, across all sorts of media fronts, but again, mostly TMZ. Seats were being planted by people who were already predisposed to side with Johnny to undermine Amber's story. Anyone who already wanted to believe Johnny had enough small bits of information to paint Amber as the real abuser. Amber's been arrested on accusations of abuse before, never mind the fact that that alleged victim came out and publicly said she wasn't a victim of Amber's abuse at all. Sources were saying that other loved ones in Johnny's life never liked Amber. Never mind that Amber had been accusing all of Johnny's friends and family of enabling his drug abuse for years, so yeah, they probably did have reason to not like her and to want her out of the picture. Johnny has so much more money than Amber that she must have been looking for a payout. Never mind the fact that when they actually went through their divorce, Amber took a fraction of the amount that she could have gotten given the fact that they never had a prenup. And of course, a lot of people just thought that Johnny Depp seemed like a nice guy and that he wouldn't do something like that. Never mind the fact that he has a history of violent behavior regardless of his relationship with Amber. So many of the claims against Amber don't hold up upon further scrutiny, but they were racking up in sheer quantity, making it seem like there was a lot of damning information about her. It helps that Johnny's own stands were creating their own mythology, thereby muddying the waters between what was real and what was fake. For instance, when people got a hold of a 2003 mugshot of Amber, Johnny Stans put two completely unrelated dots together, theorizing that because Amber had a friend who died in a car accident when she was a teenager, and now there's a photo of Amber being arrested from around the same time, Amber must have committed vehicular manslaughter. When in fact, she was just caught driving with a suspended license, which in Texas is enough to get you arrested on the second time. Now maybe you never heard that rumor, but there is a very high likelihood that you heard something else about Amber that was just as unfounded. Like, Jason Momoa hated Amber and wanted her fired from Aquaman. Amber's own parents sided with Johnny. Amber abused Elon Musk. Amber stole her sexual assault story from her former assistant. Amber ripped off a quote from the talented Mr. Ripley during her witness testimony. Amber was snorting cocaine on the witness stand. Or 
Amber pooped in her own bed. We'll get to some other allegations throughout the rest of these two parts, but all of those things that I've just listed have absolutely no credible evidence to them. Even the claim about Amber pooping in her own bed, which has become a huge part of the media campaign against her. Just to set the scene, last night, hashtag me poo was trending on Twitter. So that gives you a sense of, you know, where the world is at right now. Is completely distorted from reality. Cause in Johnny's original allegations about the poop, even he didn't think that Amber did it. He thought that Amber's friend, Ayo, did it. Ayo, who wasn't even there when it happened. I was laughing, she was laughing. And, and when I realized that he was serious, I was like, okay, look, you know, first of all, I wasn't there that day. You don't need to believe any of those allegations for all of those rumors to start warping the way you think of Amber. Again, it is quantity over quality. Maybe not everything said about Amber is true, but surely if all of these people are saying this bad stuff about her, there must be some legitimate reason, right? She must be actually awful. But the campaign to malign Amber Heard was thoroughly and obviously calculated from the very start, which is why we have to talk about Johnny's lead attorney, not Camille Vasquez, but Adam Waldman. So Johnny met Waldman sometime in the summer of 2016, so pretty much right around the divorce. Now during his marriage with Amber, a lot of Johnny's behaviors did indicate that he was a pretty severely paranoid person. But once he starts hanging out with Adam Waldman, Johnny's paranoia seems to increase exponentially. And that's especially clear from the profile that Rolling Stone published in June of 2018, which paints a pretty bleak picture of Johnny's headspace at the time. It seems Waldman was the one to encourage Johnny to file a lawsuit against TMG, who then countersued him. Then The Hollywood Reporter published some article prior to the Rolling Stone interview, which Waldman was pretty upset about and said had TMG's fingerprints all over it, despite the fact that TMG isn't even quoted in the article. Waldman and Johnny were also completely convinced that TMG had been forging Johnny's signatures for years, with the author writing, Trying to prove Rayburn's suggestion that some of Depp's financial signatures were sketchy, Waldman sent me two Depp signatures. One is for a 2010 loan purportedly signed by Depp while he was overseas. The signature is generic and subdued. Then Waldman sent me a more recent signature that is flamboyant and outlandish. They look superficially similar. Depp didn't agree. He wrote to Waldman, If one wanted to make the signature appear to have been done very quickly, as mine is, but in fact, looks as if executed from careful study instead of organically. What I'm saying is that these shapes did not come from my hand. Talking about the lawsuit filed by two of Johnny's former bodyguards, the author of the Rolling Stone piece writes, Legal experts say the lawsuit could cost Depp millions in legal fees, and his chance of recouping that at trial seems dubious. Waldman keeps floating alternate theories involving Malaysian banks, a Hollywood super agent, and Mideast investors. Nothing has been substantiated. Maybe he'll pull it off at the trial. At one point, Johnny told the author, I'm just a small part of this. It's the fucking Matrix. I didn't see the movie and I didn't understand the script, but here's what it is. There are people who think so surface level. The people inside the matrix think surface level. They sit there and think this is only about accepting 
uh, uh, what gay people want to do. By mid-2018, Johnny's career had hit quite a few setbacks. In January of 2017, he filed his lawsuit against TMG, who then countersued him, which exposed a lot of Johnny's wild spending habits, including the claim that he paid $3 million to blast Hunter S. Thompson's ashes out of a cannon. However, Johnny did tell the Rolling Stone author that that was an absolutely ridiculous allegation. It actually cost $5 million. A spokesperson for TMG told USA Today around that time that Johnny is a habitual liar who denies responsibility for his own outrageous conduct and coerces others to lie for him. Other outlets were picking up on the story. In July of 2017, Vanity Fair published an article called How Did Johnny Depp Find Himself in a Financial Crisis? Then outside of all the shit with TMG, in April of 2018, the Sun publishes an article called How Can J.K. Rowling Be Genuinely Happy Casting Johnny Depp in the New Fantastic Beast Film After Assault Claim? This is where we get the wife beater label. Then in May of 2018, Johnny was hit with that lawsuit from his former bodyguards. June 1st, Johnny files his lawsuit against The Sun, which then leads us to the UK trial of 2020. And then June 28th, 2018, Rolling Stone publishes that profile called The Trouble with Johnny Depp. The irony of that is that that interview was set up by Adam Waldman in an effort to try to rectify Johnny's reputation, which obviously kinda backfired. Then in July of 2018, Greg Rocky Brooks filed a lawsuit against Johnny alleging that he had assaulted him on the set of City of Lies, where Brooks was working as a location manager. The fun thing about that lawsuit that I don't think a whole lot of outlets have really emphasized, but I think should be, is that the lawsuit might not have even happened if not for the fact that three days after the assault, Brooks was fired from the production of City of Lies after he refused to sign a waiver saying that he wouldn't sue Johnny. Allegedly. Also in July of 2018, fans started to notice that Johnny was looking pretty thin and possibly ill. So the Daily Mail then ran a story titled, I'm not sick. Johnny Depp blames ex Amber Heard for gaunt appearance. Keep in mind that Amber and Johnny had already finalized their divorce at this point, and they had signed an NDA saying that they weren't gonna talk about each other publicly anymore. And yet, some source close to Johnny was telling the Daily Mail that Amber was responsible for him looking real thin and kinda fucked two years after she filed for divorce. Of course, who knows who that source was and if Johnny actually approved of that story being run, but then Johnny himself broke the NDA in a story run by GQ that came out in October of 2018. Now, the GQ interview was a response to the Rolling Stone interview, which was a response to news articles being put out by The Hollywood Reporter, which was reporting on the countersuit that TMG had filed because Johnny had sued TMG. So there is an entire string of events here that ultimately just leads back to Johnny's own actions. Now, the GQ profile is written in a way more flattering manner than the Rolling Stone article, but I still wouldn't say that Johnny comes out of it looking super good. He's still complaining about some organized plot against him that no one can find any evidence for, with the author writing, Depp has a theory, however, about a wider conspiracy being fueled by the troubles surrounding his finances and deteriorating marriage, a theory that points to the Hollywood industry itself this vile fucking circus, as the actor calls it. But did it stop all the power mongers in Hollywood who were interested in shutting me up? 
Big money was being thrown about, people suing me at every opportunity. I mean, it's all so obvious. Listen, I know I was never going to be Cinderella. I know this and accept it, but I feel like within a very, very short period of time that suddenly this version, for lack of a better word, of Cinderella had been immediately turned into the beast. He's Quasimodo. Then he goes on to talk about Amber, again, post-NDA, saying, The tape that came out, or the tape that someone made that miraculously appeared on YouTube taken from someone's phone, she, Amber, wanted to make like it was recent. It was an older video, and what happened in it had to do with finding out that I had lost hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, so right there, anyone saying that Amber was setting Johnny up because he was upset that day about his mother dying, despite the fact that it took place months before his mother died? There was a, a, a video that Amber heard recorded, you can see her set up the camera, that TMZ actually cut part of it out. You see her set up this camera when Johnny Depp, it was either the day of or the day after, his mother became very, very ill. That cabinet was when his mom died? Um... Okay. And, uh, okay. What happened? His mom just died? Congratulations! You've fallen for a level of propaganda that Johnny himself never even proposed. Right in his own words, it was about money. Anyway, why didn't that person speak to the police, continues Depp. I mean, they spoke to the police, but the police saw nothing and they offered her an emergency medical technician. She said no. Police see nothing on her. Police see nothing broken in the place, no marks. And then they offer her an EMT to have a look at her and she says no. And I don't know if it was the next day or a couple days later, but then there was a bruise. There was a red mark and then there was a brown bruise. Yeah, that's how bruises work actually. They take like a day or two to develop, whatever. She was at a party the next day. Her eye wasn't closed. She had her hair over her eye, but you could see the eye wasn't shut. 25 feet away from her? How the fuck am I going to hit her? Which, by the way, is the last thing I would have done. I might look stupid, but I ain't fucking stupid. And I'll reference back to a text that I read in the last video between Johnny and Amber's mother, where Johnny does kind of admit to throwing the phone at Amber, but he says that he didn't mean to throw it at her, he just threw it behind him and didn't know that she wasn't gonna catch it or whatever. But then the author writes, All I wanted to do was come to Depp and ask him to give his side of the story, which up until now has not been properly heard. So alongside this myth that Amber was believed right away, over and over and over again, there is this narrative that keeps forming, that keeps saying that prior to the Fairfax trial of 2022, Johnny hadn't had the opportunity to tell his side of the story yet. Today is my, actually my, the first uh, opportunity that I've been able to speak about this um, case uh, in full for the, for the first time. Never mind the fact that he willingly signed an NDA. The day that Amber alleged abuse in the LA court, his team was putting out statements calling her a liar and a gold digger, saying that the only reason she was doing this was because she wanted a better outcome in the divorce settlement. When people noticed Johnny's physical health deteriorating, someone was telling the Daily Mail that it was all Amber's fault. And when he started to get bad press, mostly for issues unrelated to Amber, his team called Rolling Stone to set up an interview to try to rehabilitate his image, which didn't end up working because the author of that piece saw through Johnny's bullshit pretty quickly. So, 
Johnny's team called up GQ and he blabbed even more, this time himself calling Amber a liar. This is all while Amber is upholding her end of the confidentiality agreement. Following the GQ interview, Amber's team released a statement saying, If GQ had done even a basic investigation into Mr. Depp's claims, it would have quickly realized that his statements are entirely untrue. Mr. Depp has blatantly disregarded the party's confidentiality agreement and yet has refused to allow Ms. Heard to respond to his baseless allegations, despite repeated requests that she be allowed to do so. Then when the the Sun put out an article calling him a wife-beater in 2018, and Johnny filed a lawsuit against NGN for that. The Hollywood Reporter published an article saying, Hurt's account of the events leading up to the split, along with those of other witnesses, will be scrutinized as The Sun defends its story. Heard has asked to testify in the UK proceeding, but a source with knowledge of the matter says Depp's legal team has refused to allow it and even threatened to sue her for violating their NDA if she does. Now, unfortunately for Johnny, the son called Amber as a witness, and he couldn't really do anything to enforce the NDA in that court. So Johnny, two years prior to Fairfax, told a UK judge his side of the story. And Amber, with the legal okay to do so, told her own side, leading the UK judge to conclude that the account of Johnny's ex-wife was demonstrably more consistent and credible than his own. Johnny Depp has been telling, changing, and refining his story the entire time. Now, throughout all this, Johnny Depp has made some incredibly stupid decisions. Luckily for him, so has Amber. One of the dumbest moves made by Amber, or rather her legal team working on her behalf, was in their hiring of the private investigator Paul Baresi in 2019. The first reason this was stupid is that Paul Baresi doesn't seem to have an active PI license. He used to. He got his license in 2009, but then almost immediately after got it revoked for falsely reporting his nurse ex-girlfriend to the California Board of Nursing for drug use. Paul Baresi is not a private investigator. What he actually is, is a Hollywood fixer. Fixers in general are a seedy group of people, and Paul Baresi is no exception. His job is to fix situations for celebrities who wind up in scandals, and Paul specifically specializes in issues of sexual misconduct. Now, something that many fixers do, something that Paul Baresi has talked about doing himself, is when they are hired by one party, working in opposition to another party who is similarly well-resourced and wealthy, they will go to that opposing party and offer their services in exchange for a higher payout than whatever the first party was giving them. So they'll get hired by party A, then sort of act as a double agent, getting information from party A to collude with party B to act against party A's interests. Do you get where I'm going with this? Eric George, Amber's lead attorney at the time, apparently hired Paul Baresi in 2019 to investigate some other claims of Johnny abusing other people previously. Amber's team allegedly gave Paul Baresi a list of people who might have useful information about Johnny's patterns of violence. And while I know Eric George has worked on high-profile cases before, and as far as I'm aware, he is not a dumb person or bad attorney, this was a dumb and bad move. Why? 
would you hire someone who has a known reputation of double-crossing their clients, which you could have discovered with a Google search, when the person you want him to investigate has roughly 300 times the amount of money that your client has? Now, I can only join the dots together here. This is my opinion, but I think my opinion is based on some pretty reasonable logic. And I feel 100% certain that Johnny Depp paid Paul Baresi off. Not only because Paul publicly defended Johnny against Amber, telling the Daily Mail that he interviewed a hundred people across the US and Europe who worked with Depp on films dating back 30 years and yet couldn't find any dirt on him, he then went on to defend Johnny and disparage Amber in completely separate situations. For instance, he sold a story to Radar Online about Amber's dad running a dogfighting ring. Then he defended Johnny against Rocky Brooks' allegations of assault on the set of City of Lies. And he told Radar Online that he uncovered information that completely absolved Johnny from any responsibility surrounding the disappearance of Anthony Fox. We don't have time to get into who Anthony Fox is or what that means right now. What's important is, Paul Baresi is pretty obviously Team Johnny in multiple different disputes after being hired by Amber's team. And people like Paul Baresi do not advocate on people's behalf for free. If Eric George had done just a teeny bit of research on who he was hiring, he'd have realized that of course this was gonna happen. Of course Amber Heard couldn't trust a fixer to show loyalty to her against her multi-millionaire ex-husband. And what kills me about this story is that alleged list that Amber's attorneys apparently gave Paul. Cause let's say the people on that list did have useful information about Johnny's alleged violence. If Paul Baresi got in contact with those people while secretly working in Johnny Depp's favor, I don't think we're gonna hear from them anytime soon. One of Paul's biggest clients was Eddie Murphy, who got into this scandal decades ago about some transgender prostitutes. And I want you to hear how Paul talks about the work that he did on that case. There was a mission that required my unique talent, and that was to round up all these transvestites alleging they had sex with Eddie Murphy and helping them all to see their way clear to recanting their story. Well, how do you do that? Well, first you gotta find them. You gotta know where they are, you gotta know where they hang out, and it's always good that they know you. And I was, like I said, I was pretty well known in the gay world. They knew who I was, so I, when I went knocking on their door, they invited me in. And I got, uh, there were seven of them, I got six of them, to the best of my recollection, to re to recant their story, with the exception of the Samoan girl, girl Zawali was her name, uh, Addison Zawali. She, she wouldn't budge, and unfortunately she ended up falling to her death. Now I'm not saying he killed her, though plenty of people who were closer to the situation than I am have said that. I don't know anything other than the fact that a fixer's job is to fix a situation. And fixing a situation that involves individuals having information about a fixer's client that that client doesn't want made public will probably at the very least involve some amount of intimidation to keep those individuals quiet. So I don't know who the fuck was on that list, but hope you're doing okay. 
Now let's set aside the Paul Baresi thing. Maybe he wasn't working with Johnny Depp the entire time he was interviewing people for this investigation for Amber. He probably was. We do have other proof that Johnny's team was playing it pretty dirty. In 2019, Amber recorded a conversation that she had with her friend and interior decorator at the time, Laura Divinaire. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. But the conversation that Amber recorded was about Laura's interactions with Adam Waltman. Then he, th then he thought I was totally conspiring with you and I literally took it that I was a, like this lying person and he was gonna go ahead and subpoena me. But so how did that information get to you? I have, he, he, di he directly contacted me. He called me on the phone and then I just didn't pick up. And then the next night he literally texted me. And so that's when I said, I go, you know, I just kind of pled like, I don't know anything, you know? I go, that wasn't a part of their life that I was exposed to or anything along those lines. I said, I knew that it was a difficult relationship at best. I go, but I was peripheral. And so anyway, he was just like, and I said, and I was, I, I know that, I know that summer was the summer that I had, I was planning this big trip to go to Africa. So I go, I wasn't even there that summer. And in my mind, I wasn't, it's been four years. So I didn't know anything. And then I got a text from him at like three o'clock in the morning, basically calling me a liar and literally saying, well, then you are just 